Well, as uh, many of you know, Pastor Mark uh, uh, had a surgery on Thursday. It went very well, if you haven't heard. And so um, now he's just sitting at home, healing very well and anxiously wanting to be back here. So he'll be back in a couple weeks. Um, but uh, next week, we'll have the privilege of hearing from Pastor Clint, one of our elders. And so he'll be here. And then uh, Pastor Mark believes he'll be back after that. So we shall see what the Lord has planned for him. So um, anyways. I'm not checking my emails. I'm actually doing this for you. I'm going to set a timer so that I'm not keeping you guys here past lunchtime. So, but uh, anyways. So, have you guys ever had one of those days where you're driving down the, uh, the freeway and you, uh, you, you wake up and you realize, uh, what just happened in the last 15, 20 minutes? I don't even know where I am. Like, uh, um, how did I get here? And you actually have to start looking at exit signs to figure out where you are because you, you just, just kind of spaced out. You put the car on cruise control and then your brain put you on cruise control, right? And you're like, how did I get there? Well, is it honestly, is it something we can safely say about ourselves that we kind of actually do that ourselves with our lives in general, with our spiritual lives, with our regular lives? We're we so busy. We work Monday through Friday. We're exhausted. We come home. We say, honey, how was your day? Fine. How was your day? Fine. Kids, how was your day? Fine. Did you do your homework? Yes. Okay, go play. And we do that five days, and then we have all these things scheduled on the weekends, and, and then we come to church. We go home. We go, we go out to lunch or do our thing, and then we're, and we're, and we're back on Monday again, and we're just like, man, where did the week go? So today we're going to cover a verse that's going to hopefully help wake us up a little bit, take us off cruise control maybe. You know, it's good once in a while to just kind of shake ourselves up and say, hey, where am I? What am I doing right now? So we're going to look at a verse um, that will be up on the screen in a minute. Um, it's Mark chapter 12, verse 30. It's a common verse. We all know it. But it's kind of going to be like a health checkup, a spiritual checkup for us. You know, it's, it's, it's sometimes it's good for us to, um, you know, go to the doctor once a year, go to the dentist once a year. We take our cars in for routine maintenance. But uh, we need to do that for ourselves as well. We need to make sure that, that we, we have a health checkup. So today we're going to go through Mark chapter 12, verse 30. It's going to say, And you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. Now don't worry, I'm not going to break this down word by word and actually ask you, okay, what does it mean to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, and then all of your soul, and then all of your mind, and all of your strength? I think Jesus is being pretty clear here when he said this. In fact, when he, was, when he said this, he was actually talking to the Pharisees and Sadducees who were arguing with him. They were trying to catch him and, 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 and prove that he wasn't who he said he was. And so they were trying to catch him in a lie so they could, they could actually stone him to death. And so when Jesus gave this answer, this, this lawyer said, well, what's the most important commandment? Jesus said, the most important commandment is to love your Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. And so we should probably check, take a look and say, if that's the most important commandment, we should probably make sure that we're checking that once in a while in our own lives and comparing our own lives against that. So instead, of, so I'm not going to go through each of those words, but I, w I do want to do, just to make sure we're all on the same page, is make sure we cover the one word, love, to make sure we're all on the same page of what that actually means. So I'm pretty sure, as I said, we can all look at the, the, the rest of that verse. And I think what God is saying, you're either all in or you're all out, Right? We have to love him with all of our heart, all of our mind, all of our soul, our inner being, and all of our strength. He pretty much encompasses everything that we are, and he says, I want all of that from you. I want all of that. I want all of your attention. And so what we have to make sure we understand is, is well, what kind of love is it? See, in the Greek, there's actually several different types of love. And so we have to make sure that we're focusing on the right kind of love. And in this particular case, it's called agape love. The word in Greek is agape or agapeo, if I'm saying it right. And what it is, a selfless, sacrificial love. It's a love of action. It's a love that's an outward love, not a love about yourself. It's not an emotional kind of love. It's not a cuddly love. It's not a, hey, Jesus, come over, let's watch a movie and cuddle on the couch kind of love. It's a sacrificial kind of love. We're focusing outward. What can we do to serve you, God? 
you are so great and so wonderful. You were so high above us, and you, you came down and died on the cross for us so that we could have eternity with you. What can we do to serve you? We, we, we love you so much. How can we give back to you of ourselves because you've given so much to us? And so that's what, that's what he's saying. Here. That's what God's saying here. In fact, this actually comes from the book of Deuteronomy. Jesus was actually quoting uh, the Old Testament. So you think to yourself, well, if Jesus quotes the Bible, maybe we should probably have some verses memorized too, right? We'll talk about that later. So what God is essentially saying here with this verse is we're, we're either all in or we're all out. You know, we live, in a, we live in a spiritual world, don't we? But it's not necessarily a spiritual world towards Jesus. There's a lot of people out there who say they're spiritual, who say they have religion, but it's not necessarily towards Jesus, even people that call themselves Christians. I'm sure if I asked one of you today, I said, and you said, you know, you, said you, you, have, you, you know a friend who says that they know God and they love God, and so you're talking with them, and, and uh, as you guys are talking, you're saying, well, you know, the, the, the Bible says this, but, but you're doing this. I mean, don't, don't you think that that, that kind of contradicts what, what God says in the Scripture? And what do some of our, our friends say? They say, hey, 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 look, I have my relationship with God. You have your relationship with God. This is, you know, that's, that's fine for you, but I'm fine with my relationship. Anybody ever heard that before from anyone? And, and you're like, well, but God says you're either all in or you're all out. He wants everything. You can't, you can't pick and choose. You know, and so we have this situation where we, we, we know these people and we're like, that, that doesn't look right. It doesn't look right. You know, imagine if, imagine if your spouse, right? Imagine if your spouse, their love language was, was time. Like if the best way you could show them love is just giving them your time. But instead, you went outside and worked on the motorcycle. All right, I'm not just pointing at men because women could work on motorcycles too, right? Okay. <laughs> or work on your crafts or work on, you know, your book club or whatever it is. And you go out there and that's where you spend your time. Now, I'm not saying those things in and of themselves are sins, so don't misunderstand me here. What I'm saying was if your spouse w feels loved when you give them time and instead you just send them flowers a couple times a year and tell them you love them when you're half asleep rolling over in bed, are they going to feel loved? Are they going to feel that love? See, God says, I want you to love me the way I want to be loved. I want all of you. I want your, your, your whole being, everything about you. I want to be number one in your life. I had to learn that the hard way. See, when I first got married, life was great, and when life is great, um, when you're dating and, and you're leading up to the engagement and the wedding day, no one doesn't put you to the test. When things are going perfect, you don't really know who you really are because there's no test there. But the day after we got married, life was very different, literally the day after we got married. And so I realized I was not the person I thought I was. I wasn't such a good guy. There were some things happened in our marriage, and I don't have enough time to go into detail, but bottom line is, um, some things that are both of our controls that, that just put stress on our marriage. And, and if I'm being honest with you, it was ugly. I was very selfish. I was very selfish back then, and I was thinking about all the things I did. I was like, God, God, I'm a Christian. I married a Christian woman. I did what you told me to do. I'm supposed to live happily ever after, just like Disney says. I mean, like the Bible says. <laughs> you know? Now, Disney does say that, but the Bible definitely does not say happily ever after, does it? In fact, we should probably explain to our kids when we watch those kind of movies, hey, just so you know, that's fantasy, that's not real life, so they don't grow up thinking that that's what they should expect. See, and I knew better, but I didn't want to admit it. And so we had this, this tangle in our marriage, and again, it was outside of our control, but it was still there, and I was angry and mad at God, and I was selfish, going, this is not what I signed up for, God. And my wife, you know, she was sitting there feeling bad as if, as if she was the one ruining my life, and so we talked about divorce on a, on a weekly basis, if not more often. And it was crazy. 
and we got, I, I got this point where I was just, I was like fed up. I was like, well, I'm a Christian, so I can't divorce her. I was like, I guess I just have to, I just have, I have to, get, I just have to be okay with this. And that's what God does. He waits until we get to the point in our lives where we, we give up and we finally just settle for whatever it is or we've tried, we've exhausted every opportunity and then God says, okay, now I can act because you've tried everything else so when I act, I get the credit. When I fix what's wrong with you, I get the credit. I'm going to restore you and I'm going to get the glory. And so in an emergency room bathroom on Christmas Eve morning, I'm staring at my wife who literally just the, na- last, the night before while laying in my sister, abandoned my sister's old bedroom in my parents' house to spend Christmas with them, we were talking about divorce. And that morning she woke up and she was very, very sick. And we tried to take her to the hospital. And I had to sit there and say, man, I, this, I could be somewhere else right now. My wife, she's in pain, she's crying, she's, she's, saying, she's saying sorry to me. She's saying sorry to me, I'm the one thinking about myself and where else I should be, and she's the one saying sorry to me. And in that moment, I'm not going to tell you that, that I heard God's voice, but he put very, two very distinct things into my mind. He said, that's my daughter, and you're supposed to love her as Christ loved the church. He put those two very things in my mind, and it changed me, it broke me, and it changed me. And literally overnight, our marriage was, was changed. I started worrying about her and how to improve her life and how to make her life better. I stopped thinking about myself and, and what I was losing out on. Instead, I was like, how can I make her life better? How can I improve her life and her circumstances? And God did what he always says. Those who submit to me, I will bless you more than you can ever possibly imagine or think. And so two years later, we're sitting in a grocery store line, and some lady walks up to us, and she, she pats me ever so gently on the form and says, you guys are adorable. You must be newlyweds true story. And we look over at each other and we kind of just giggle and look at each other and kind of just think to ourselves, if you only knew, if you only knew. But he did. He took, he took something that was broken and made it better than it was before. And that's what God does. But see, it took me having to give up myself, be selfless, be sacrificial, and love her as Christ loved the church, as we, we as men are called to do for our wives. And that's, that's what God wants us to do. That's how God wants us to love him. He wants us to love him with everything that we are. So, how do, we love him way, how do we love him in that way? We look at the, we look at the verse before this one, actually. If we're going to understand this verse completely, we actually need to understand one verse before it. See, Jesus didn't just quote um, a piece of the uh, greatest commandment. He actually quoted the entire uh, phrase that Moses gave the Israelites in Deuteronomy. He says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Now, this is not a verse to talk about the Trinity or anything like that. This was a verse by Moses, given to Moses by God, to the Israelites, reminding them that they are to have only one God. No other gods, no other idols in their life, nothing taking their attention away from them. And so we have to ask ourselves, you know, is God number one in our lives? Do we, do we put God number one above all else in our lives, even above our own children, our own wives, Jesus tells us. Jesus tells us, unless you're willing to, to hate your mother, your father, your brother, your wife, even yourself, you can't follow me. He wants this all. He wants it. It's all or nothing, right? In 1 John chapter 2, it says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes and pride of life, is not from the Father, but from the world. It says, if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. 
So if we love the Lord our God with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, and all of our strength, that means we can't love the world too. There's no, well, you can't love some of the world, but you can love other parts of it. No, he says you can't love the world in its entirety. You have to love me more. I have to be your number one, right? So what in our lives right now is, is battling for our attention? Or battling for God's attention, I should say. What is God competing with to, that, that, that we have to let go of, that we have to, to tear out of our lives? You know, too many times I think we as Christians, we get excited the day we come to salvation. We're just so excited, and we, um, oh, we're just surrounded by people that love us, and we're encouraged in our baptism. Our baptism was awesome last month, by the way, and we're just so excited. But then we start, we start you know, the, the crowds go away, right? That emotional part of love starts to disappear, and now we're just left with with God ourselves, and, and, and now it's our decision how we're going to choose to love him every day. Now it's our commitment that we make on a daily basis. That motivation starts to slip away if we don't stick to his word, if we don't keep diving into his word and try to figure out all his glorious attributes and character that, that he says, you will never discover the height and width and depth and length of who I am, the riches of my glory. You will never fully understand. That's how great I am, and I want you to explore and, and just appreciate those. I want to offer those to you for eternity. But what, what do we do? Instead, we say, well, you know what? I'm a Christian now, which means I need to give some stuff up. So what do we do? We, we, we reach for the scalpel. There's a chainsaw sitting right here, but we, we reach for the scalpel sometimes, don't we? God says, I'm going to start revealing. Now that you're my son, now that you're my daughter, I'm going to start revealing to you what's, what you need to change in your life, those sins that you need to purge out of your life. And so we reach for that scalpel. And we start slicing away. Well, I know for sure that movie, that, that's definitely, I can't show that movie to my church friends. No way. In fact, I should probably get some church friends. That's uh, it's pretty good, right? And we say, well, that, that movie, that, that movie's not too bad. That movie's not too bad. I, God, what if I just muted that 10 minutes where, where we shouldn't do it? I'll go and get my snack and use the bathroom, and then I'll come back during that part. That's, that's the part I'll miss. Can, can I keep that movie? And we start negotiating with him. I don't know. It looks pretty clear that, that we, there's no negotiation. It's all or nothing, right? But that's what we do. God says, Jesus himself says, if your eye causes you to stumble, rip it out. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It's better to enter into heaven missing an eye or a hand than to enter through the gates of hell with your whole body, right? There's this movie, there's this TV show, and I'm not going to tell you what TV show it is because for me it's a sin and for you it might not be, and so I'm not going to tell you the name of the, the show. It's not important. But what's important is, is I know that I can't watch that TV show. And I, um, it's just, it just causes temptations for me that I don't need in my life. And so I told Lauren, I told Lauren one day, I said, Honey, I'm sorry, I know we like this, you like this TV show, but I, I can't watch this show anymore. And she, <laughs> you know, she can be a pain sometimes. What she said... She said, no. She said, I don't care about your relationship with God or your relationship with me. I love this TV show. You're going to sit here and watch it and eat your popcorn. <sighs> no, that's not what she said. <laughs> just kidding. What she said was, okay, it's just a TV show. Of course not. Let's stop, stop, stop watching that. So we don't watch that show anymore. But it's not just the sin that we have to cut out of our lives, right? It's the things in our lives that become, that, 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 that are okay to have in our lives that become sin, right? 
you know, that, that motorcycle in your garage that you're restoring or the car or that book club or whatever it is, you're the gym, the going to the gym, right? All those things are okay in and of themselves. But the moment that those things start creeping into the center of your universe, when those things start becoming all of your time and, and, you, don't, you, know, like, and you start finding yourself saying, oh, I didn't get to read for the home, uh, for home group. I didn't get to read for my Bible study. Or I didn't even get to go to Bible study this week because I almost had my motorcycle finished. Oh, I know my wife wants to spend time with me this week, but man, if I just get this thing done, right? Or this book club, I need to get this book read, or whatever, the, whatever it is in your life. Those things in and of themselves, they're not sinful, but when we let them take God's place in our lives, then they become a sin, right? And so we need to make sure that whatever those things are, and it's different for each of us, right? Each, each one of us has different things in our life that's doing that to us. And so we have to be honest with ourselves and get into the word of God and, and, and be in prayer and just say, God, reveal to me what I need to change in my life. I want to love you with all of my heart, all of my soul, all of my mind, and all of my strength. What is it that I need to change so I can do? What do I need to let go of in my life? You know, part of us, it's part of it for, for, part of it for us is, is it's, it's hard to let go of certain things that we think it's more enjoyable than what God's going to do for us. And, that's, and, that, and, and for people that say that, I can be honest and say, you know what, you probably haven't read this with, your, with an open heart. You haven't probably prayed to God and gotten down on your knees in a long time and, and with clenched fists against your head just said, God, you know, I, 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 just, I know that you're so much better than all this. Please just open my heart and my eyes to you. Have, you. have you done that recently? Have you done that recently where you just got down on your knees and just said, God, I know that what you have is better. The fullness of your riches of your glory are way better than what this world has to offer. Please reveal that to me. And then Jesus says, okay, well, if you're going to love me with all of your heart, all of your soul, your mind, and all of your, your strength, you should probably do a health check once in a while. Make sure that you're actually doing that. In fact, I'm going to make it easy for you. I'm going to tell you how, to, how you do that. You follow my commandments. You follow my commandments, and uh, then you know whether or not you're actually doing that. If you're not following my commandments, well, maybe you should, um, you know, start following them. First John chapter 2 says, Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. Well, that's beating around the bush, right? But whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Just as God loved the world sacrificially, right, and selflessly, that's how we're supposed to love him. See, it's not enough to just stop sinning, as I was saying, right? We, have to, we actually have to repent. So many times we, 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 we get the jargon in our lives mixed up and we think, well, I'm repenting, I stopped sinning. No, no, no. Repent doesn't mean to just stop. If you're on the wide path, Jesus says, that leads to hell and you just stop sinning, you're still standing on the wide path that leads to hell and the narrow path is going over to heaven that way that Jesus says few ever find. Repent means to actually change direction, to actually take steps, move in a direction, and, and go in a new direction from the old way. You have this old life that was broken, this old life, like my marriage, it was broken. I said, no, okay, I'm going to do it your way from now on, Jesus. So I stopped going down the, world, the, the road the world tells you to, and I physically moved and started going down the narrow path and started pursuing God and, and getting on my knees and trying to find out who this glorious, glorious God is that sits on his throne in heaven. So that's what we need to do. We need to, we need to change direction. And Jesus, Jesus says after verse 1230, he says, you know what? There's a lot of commandments, so let me, let me make it easy for you. He says, he says there's, there's two commandments you really need to worry about. He says, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, and all of your strength. And then he says, 
And the second commandment, the second most important commandment, is almost just like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. See, all of us know John 3.16. Raise your hand if you know John. Well, don't do that. Just kidding. That would be rude. Okay, so now they're like, I don't know it, but sorry, I shouldn't have done that. Okay, John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that who should ever believe in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. A lot of us know that. It's one of the first verses you learn, especially when you come to faith. Oops. But does anybody know 1 John 3.16? 1 John 3.16. It's another book of the Bible. See, 1 John. This is my first day on this thing. So, 1 John 3.16. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. He goes on to say, But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his eyes against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and truth. It's action, right? A love in action. A sacrificial love takes steps. It's an action. We're getting rid of the old way, and we're going in a new direction, and we're following God, and we're keeping his commandments. So we have to love each other. We have to love our neighbors down the street gets awkward. They're annoying. They don't leave when we want them to. They stay too long. Pastor Mark calls me a stayer. I'm always the last one to leave. Maybe he should read this. Just kidding, Pastor Mark. Okay. Um, So, just a little bit of background on this verse, too, to really help you understand it. You know, um, when Jesus gave this answer, again, I said, I mentioned he was actually referencing the Old Testament. He was referencing the book of Deuteronomy. The book of Deuteronomy is essentially Moses' farewell speech to the Israelites. See, the Israelites, 40 years ago, had just been broke out of jail, essentially. They they escaped Egypt when Moses led them out by the power of God. God did miraculous things to get them out of there. But because of their lack of faith, they didn't get to enter the promised land right away. So for 40 years, they're wandering around in the desert. And so Moses, because of some frustrating things that he did to himself, God says, Moses, because you didn't represent me well, you're not, you're not going to the, the, you're not gonna get to enter the promised land. And so Moses, they're standing in the, in the plains of Moab getting ready to, for the Israelites to actually move into the promised land. And so Moses is saying, I can't go with you. I'm going to die on this side of the river. He's all, but I'm going to give you my, my last hurrah speech, my, my farewell speech, my last sermon. I'm going to remind you of everything I possibly can so that you just do your best when you get over there. And so he says, do you remember when you left Egypt and you were all on fire for God? And then you, then you turned your back on him and you started making idols and things got worse. But then you repented and then things got better again. Do you remember how you just kept going up and down, up and down? Don't do that on the other side of the river. He says, do you remember when God let you hear his voice? Remember that day at Mount Sinai when, when God said, get my people ready. I'm going to let them hear my voice today. Actually, this week, I took a couple days of getting ready for it. So Moses goes up the mountain, and he talks to God, and God comes down in clouds and thunder and lightning. The whole mountain is consumed in fire, and when Moses speaks, God speaks back, and it sounds like thunder and lightning. The Israelites say it sounds like thunder, and the whole earth shook, and the Israelites fell to their faces, and when Moses came back down the mountain to check on them as God commanded, they said, Moses, don't don't let us hear his voice anymore. We are sinners. We, we just heard the voice of God. Who can hear the voice of God and live? Don't, don't, don't let us hear it again. Just, just go back up the mountain. Talk to God, and whatever God says, we'll do it. We'll do it. We'll just, just, just don't, 
don't let us hear his voice again. We can't take that. And know what God says to Moses after Moses shares that with God? God says, oh, my people, they understand. They have reverence for me. They love me. They understand that I'm so much higher. They need me. And so he says, okay, okay, Moses, they, they, they have reverence for me now. Go ahead and tell them what they need to do. And so Moses comes down the mountain, and he says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and all of your strength. This is so important that it's actually part of a prayer called the Shema in Jewish culture where they say it twice a day. Imagine if twice a day we all got down on our knees before leaving for work and, and at night when we pulled into the driveway before we walked in the house and all of our kids screaming and running around, right? What if we just sat there in our car and just said, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and we shall love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, and with all of our strength. <sighs> okay, God, let's do it your way. Let's do it your way. Would our lives look any different if we, on a regular basis, did those spiritual checkups on our lives instead of letting ourselves just fall into routine? See, God, God doesn't say, love me with all of your heart, all of your mind, and all of your soul, and all of your strength when you feel like it. He doesn't say, do it until retirement, and then you can stop. No, he says, he says, he says until the day you meet me, this is what I'm asking of you. Now, some of you are saying, Chris, that's, that's wonderful but I'm having a hard time loving my spouse right now and my kids, I don't even want to talk about that right now. That's, that's kind of hard. And my answer to you is no, it's, it's not hard. It's not hard. It's, it's impossible, actually. It's impossible. It's literally impossible for us in our own strength to do what God tells us to do. But see, Jesus, before he left the earth, he told the disciples, I'm leaving you, but soon I'm going to send you a helper. I'm going to send you someone that can do what I'm asking you to do for you. In John chapter 14, it says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Now, that's pretty, amen. Now, some of us, it's hard for us to imagine that, that God is in some way, we understand that he's amazing and that he's, and that he's, that he's so much higher than us and, and we can't always understand his ways, but our brains, we want to try to comprehend it, right? We want to try to put God in a box and try to comprehend how is it that God is going to send the Holy Spirit, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, he's going to send that power in the form of the Spirit into our souls. He's going to send that into us. He's going to dwell in us. The Holy Spirit's going to dwell in us. How is that possible? So some of us go, might go, I can't, I can't comprehend that. I, I, I have to, I, I, you know, maybe it's like Iron Man. Iron Man's the one with a little thing in his chest, right? Yeah. Maybe it's like Iron Man. You know, he, 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 he takes his heart out, and then he puts this little power thing in there, and it fuels his body, and it fuels his armor, and he can fly around that cool stuff. But don't do that. Don't, don't do that. Don't try to put God in a box. And definitely don't use some, some fairy tale science fiction thing that was created by one of the creations of the creator to try to explain what the creator is doing for us. That, that, that simplifies something so majestic, so supernatural, and it doesn't help us to appreciate what's really happening in our lives. See, the creator of the heavens and the universe, the, the God who told the stars where to hang and, and, and put the earth into orbit and told the oceans where to start and stop, he's the one that says, I'm going to send you a helper. 
and I'm going to put the Spirit of God in your hearts. And you're going to live with my strength. In fact, in Ephesians 3, the Apostle Paul is talking to the church in Ephesus, and he's saying, he's saying, you remember when I told you about my salvation and how I came and how now I live for nothing more than the gospel? That's, that's what I live for now. It's everything to me. And then you guys, you guys, you, you Ephesians, you, you get it. You accepted the gospel, and so now we together are a church, and now we have to go out into the world, and we have to share that gospel with the world. And we need to do that. How are we going to do that? And he says in Ephesians 3, starting with verse 14, he says, When I think of all this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust him. Your roots will grow down into God's love, keeping you strong, and you may have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep is his love. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to fully understand. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God, not from ourselves, that comes from God, right? And then it goes on to say, Now all glory to God who is able through his, his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations. I love that part because that's us. Right? This was 2,000 years ago, but Jesus was thinking about us. He thought about us before the earth was even created. And he says, through all generations, forever and ever. Amen. See, if we're going to tap into that power, though, we're going to tap into that power, we have to be in the Word of God. This, this is literally the Word of God. God breathed. Yes, it was written by human hands, but it was through people who were inspired by the Word of God, people who wrote down what they saw. Did you know that these are, these, this, 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 this scripture is written in blood? And I don't just mean Jesus' blood. I mean the disciples of Jesus who made sure that we got the New Testament. The ones who from jail cells and cold hard dungeons were writing. In fact, Paul was writing to the Ephesians and telling them about joy. He was saying, have joy. Don't worry about me sitting in this jail cell. I have joy. You have God. Who cares what this world has? The world doesn't have anything on us. We're immortal. We're immortal. Have you guys ever thought about that? The Spirit of God dwells in us forever. We're immortal. We're going to spend eternity with God forever. And in exchange, he just says, make me your number one. Give me everything. The next time we open this word, we should look at it and say, God, I realize that, that men died. Men died and suffered to make sure that these words got to my hands. What are you trying to tell me today from your word? How can I grow deeper and deeper into a, a better relationship with you through your word? What are you trying to tell me? And then get down on your knees and pray. Jesus tells us to meditate on the Word of God. He tells us to be thinking about it day and night. You can't just read it once a week. You can't come to, to church on Sundays and, and just expect the only scripture you're going to get from Pastor Mark. In the Old Testament, yeah, Moses, he's the one who went up to talk to God and came back down the mountain. And he's the one that came down and talked to the Israelites. But when Jesus died on the cross, something else happened that day, didn't it? 
There was a veil that was torn from top to bottom. We, through the blood of Jesus Christ, got direct access to our Lord and Savior and can talk with him and be in fellowship with him and get to know him and love him by his strength with all of our hearts, our souls, our mind, and our strength. You see, Pastor Mark is our spiritual leader, and he's there to encourage us and grow us, but he's not our Moses. We can go up the mountain ourselves, can't we? We can go talk to Jesus ourselves and say, God, what what do you have to tell me today? And that's what we should be doing. We should just be like, you know, the world, the world's broken. I don't want this. You know, we can enjoy certain things in the world, but don't let them them become our idols. Don't, Don't let God have to compete with our attention. There's this pastor, his name is Francis Chan, and uh, I listen to him a lot. And uh, he has this illustration I'm going to steal, so I'm not, this is not a copyright infringement, I'm giving him the credit. But uh, he takes this rope and he, and he says, this is our life right here, this is our life. And this rope, this rope, this represents eternity. See, God is the Alpha, the beginning. And God is the Omega, the end. Sorry, Ilsimu. <laughs> Eternity just fell on you right now. Isn't that awesome? And God is saying, you cannot love the world and me at the same time. He's saying, in, in, the, in, the, in the length of eternity, in all of eternity, this is, this is it. This is where your life sits, right here. This is your life in all of eternity. Jesus said, when he was arguing with someone else, he said, before Abraham, I am. Not I was, I am. Eternity, there's no beginning and there's no end. And somewhere in the middle of this eternity, here we are, our life, the beginning of our life and the day that we, we talk to Jesus and answer to Jesus for, for how we spend our time on earth. And Jesus is saying, when you became my child, I gave you access to all the riches of my glory forever and ever and ever. So why is it that you're spending your life working so hard, focusing on all these things to make your life better, to make yourself more comfortable, so that when you reach retirement for this little strip right here, that you can relax and enjoy yourself? Is that is that what loving me with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, and all of your strength looks like? He says, what are, you, what are you doing with this time to get ready for this? See, I, I gave you a choice. You can, you can love me or you can love the world, but you can't have both. So which one is it going to be? And some of us say, well, well God, I'm going to get there. You know, I'm when I retire, you know, when I retire right here, then, then I'll have time for Bible studies and I'll have time to focus on my scripture and I'll be able to memorize it and stuff. And Jesus says, but yeah, what if, what if, what if you don't make it to retirement? I know how many days that you have left. You don't. I breathed life into you. I numbered your days. You don't know the height, the width, the depth, or length of me. He says, when you get to heaven, do you want to stand before me and be like, God, this is amazing. Look at this place. This is incredible. Man, it'd be perfect. Jesus, I, I'm, making, I'm making eye contact with you right now. My Lord and Savior, you were on a cross 2,000 years ago, Lord. You were on a cross, and now, and now look at us. We're face to face. 
said, if only I still had my car, though. If I had my car with me, then this would be perfect. Man, that house that I lived in was pretty sweet. And she, she was saying, really? So what in our lives is competing with God? Are we getting ready? Are we getting ready for this part? We're immortal, right? We're immortal. So as the band comes up here and, and we, we pray and then sing one last song, let's just, let's just go home today and think to ourselves, you know, maybe, maybe there's something God's trying to stir inside of me, right? You know, I think a lot of us might have experienced something that I did growing up where you look around your church and you, and you see people and, and you're like, you know, I'm starting to read this thing. I'm starting to read this thing, but I, I look around and, and I, don't, I don't see what Jesus was saying. I don't see that. See, I got frustrated too. So I was thinking, yeah, that, that makes sense, you know. We need to do a spiritual health check a little more often, you know. So that's going to look different for each of us. Each of us has different things that maybe it's a sin issue, maybe it's a hobby that became an idol, whatever it is. But each of us needs to just on a regular basis take those steps to, to just, just stop the craziness, turn the cruise control off, and just think, okay, Lord, I'm supposed to love you with all of my innermost being. How can I do that better for you today? How can I do that better for you today? Let's pray and then let's worship God with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, and all of our strength. Go ahead and stand with me while we pray. Father God, oh, that we would actually be able to comprehend your heights and depth and width and length. If only we could understand the riches of your glory that you, that you are offering us every day. Lord, we pray by your strength that we would truly understand how beautiful you are, how big you are, how wonderful you are, how amazing you are, that we would, it would be so much easier for us to just let go of the world and, and let go of the things that just take our time so that we could be right with you, we could prepare ourselves for eternity with you. Father God, we just thank you for this time this morning to be in fellowship and to be able to praise you and worship you and hear your word this morning, Father God. We pray, Lord, that you would speak to each one of us in the way that each one of us needs to uniquely hear you with our own unique relationship with you, Lord. What do we need to hear from you today? How can we love you more? How can we be a better light in the world? How can our light shine brighter? How can people be jealous because of the life we have with you? Father, thank you so much for, for the work you're doing in us. It's a lifelong process, this transformation process, and you've given us a helper to make that possible. And we just thank you so much for that, God. So here and now, Father God, let this be a, a time where we just... Uh, Hit the reset button, Lord. Help us to, to just start anew, start afresh. And we just thank you, Lord, for this time. And we pray these things in the name of your Son who made all this possible. Jesus, our Christ, our Lord, and our Savior. Amen. Thanks for listening to Go Church's weekly sermon podcast. If you enjoyed the sermon, be sure to rate and review us on iTunes. If you want to learn more about the ministry of Go Church or catch up on previous sermons, check out our website, www.gochurchpnw.com. You can also connect with Go Church on Facebook and Instagram.